Well, hello, I am Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my father, also Joel Hunter, and this is The Bright Side. Here on 93.1 and 540 AM. I thought we were going to sing, but I guess identifying the radio station... <laughs> this is much just... better. Just saying the radio station is much better than singing. 93.1. That's not very good at all. You're right. You were right. I should have... When will I learn just to listen to your wisdom? I don't need to make the mistakes of my own. I can just learn from what you have to tell me. So tonight, uh, we we always talk about uh, helping you help others. That's the theme of the show. Uh, and it goes out to what I just heard is the the smartest listening audience. <laughs> I, I heard that. And I got it's nervous. It's good to know. It's good to know I, I where those, those people are. Yeah, I, I just realized this is beaming out to a bunch of people just pouring liquids from one Erlenmeyer flask into another, decoding DNA. And uh, so uh, we're glad that you are here. Tonight, specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, identity uh, and, and more specifically about obtaining legal IDs, you know, right. and uh, and the challenges that are associated with that, because it isn't. It's people don't really know about. This that. is way more complicated than than we think, or 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 people can imagine that somebody can't easily obtain a driver's license or something like that. Yeah. And so it's really important to understand the process that that goes into that and the necessity that goes into that. Yeah, because there's not there's not a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of things that are cut off from you without that sort of legal identification. Uh, one of my favorite things about this show is that for the first segment, we always try to do something that's kind of related to the topic, and and that is entirely up to our research department. Yes, Becky Hunter. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and so whatever I, whatever she puts in front of us, this has been you know since you were born, and and mm -hmm. since I married her, whenever she puts something in front of me, that's what I eat. Yeah. If I and if I rewind, you know, uh, thirty years. Uh, then whatever was laying on the bed, that's what I was going to wear that day. That's right. And now whatever's on this paper, it's what we're going to talk about. Uh, but what's what's fun and about it- I know it, you're listening, honey, so we love you for that. Yeah, I, what I love about it is I get to see, it's so creative every time. Like this time, uh, she she put together this article that was, uh, or, or found this article that was about, you know, legal identification is required just for participating in a lot of daily life, but it doesn't have a lot to do with your actual, like what, how do you identify- Right. As yourself. Yeah. And we're not What's just, your real identity? Yeah, yeah. And and we're not just talking about like, do you identify, uh, you know, there's all those uh, owlkin and dragonkin people that are like, I I, I, I know my ID says I'm a male, but I identify as an owl. Uh, that, that, is that, is that oh, for real? Absolutely. Seriously? Yeah. Don't ever accidentally stumble into Tumblr. Uh, you, <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. You'll, it'll take three days to get unangry. <clears throat> Because, uh, yeah, because there's a lot of people that are like, my teacher, my teacher refuses to identify me as an owl, which uh, I know in my heart I am. Uh, what should I do? And, wow. then, and then you'll just get a bunch of very sympathetic responses. Uh, and then one person who's like, you're not an owl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the one person that was uh, over 30 years old is like, get, grow up. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like my generation right there. Yeah. Then get off my lawn while you're at it. It's, yeah, it's not. A, it's, it's a walled garden, but it's just a social wall. And so people can just log into Tumblr and say whatever they want. Um, so what, what were some of the ones that struck you as, as ways that, you know, the stuff that makes us who we are, like how, how, how we actually are different. Cause that's really what an identity is. An identity is, this is what I am and not what someone else well, is. The, the thing that, that I always start with is that everybody is really unique and therefore really valuable and really needed because, um, if, you know, if, 
if you have two people and they always agree, one of them isn't necessary. Yeah. And so, and so I always look at differences as, as really important mm-hmm. um, because in, in those differences, the, the, the greater potential lies for uh, contribution. Yeah. Um, and so some of the lists uh, that our research department um, came up with um, are nobody has had the experiences you have. And so therefore, nobody probably has some of the insight that you have. And that's why it's important to take your life experiences very seriously and not discount them. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it comes down to the whole nature versus nurture thing. You know, there, there is a certain amount of our uh, self uh, that's our personalities and taste and intelligence and, and you know, how we view uh, the world. It, some of that is just baked right into our DNA. But the experience part uh, determines in large part how we see the world and, yeah. and how we see ourselves. And it's part of why, I mean, it's one of those things that's so, it's, it's so hard to, to accurately judge the motives of other people uh, because if, if I do it, I had a good reason. Yeah. Uh, if this guy does it, it's because he is the worst. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I only jumped to the front of the line because I, I had to get food for this poor person who's dying outside. Uh, but this guy jumped to the front of the line <laughs> because that's just who he is. Look, I saw him walk. This guy drives a new Ford, a new Ford Taurus and he thinks he's just the best. Uh, <laughs> and so <clears throat> it, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to judge the motives of others, because we just can't know other people's experiences. It's, exactly. par- it's part of why we're so forgiving of our friends that we tr- know and trust, because yeah. we, we know who they are. We, we know their experience. Yeah. Again, saved by grace. You know, the grace is unmerited favor. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's important to be able to cut people some slack um, and, and understand that your perceptions, uh, that's another marker mm-hmm. of how you're different, um, are way different than other people's perceptions. It's I was, a- it's that whole there, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, you know the great, um, the great line of I think it was Charles Lawton, who's the great British actor, um, who was or no Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Orson yeah. Welles. That's right. He was he was so reputed to have such a such conceit and hubris that he walked on a set one day and somebody leaned over to the person next to him and said. There, but for the grace of God, goes God. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really that's really clever, Orson Byrne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here's another one, and you would be better at this than I would. That everybody has a different genetic um, composition, um, and um, and that's more influential than we than we believe it to be, or at least the the small part that is different. I think. I read a book one time where where ninety percent of our um, DNA is like uh, um, the same as Windex or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's like you, you know ninety percent ammonia. <laughs> but, That's right. but I, I mean, if you get down to the atomic level, yeah, it really is hard to find a difference between us and a, and a pile of dirt. But but when you when you look at the genetic code. Uh, we are a ni- depending on how you measure it, ninety anywhere between ninety six and ninety nine percent. Most people settle around ninety eight percent identical to chimpanzees, uh, and not like not a difference that, uh, that you can be found. We're fifty percent the same as bananas. Uh, our <laughs> <There> DNA, <you. laughs> and it's because so much of our DNA is built to cellular function and repair, you know, mitochondria is mitochondria. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of instructions in our DNA for that stuff. But, um, even if you go to the 99%, uh, 
we have about uh, some, just over, I think it's, it's 3.2 billion base pairs of DNA. Um, and so 1% is still like 30 million oh. b- pairs, base pairs of DNA, the, which, you know, and, and genes are, they're, they're large, but they're not that large. I mean, it's, it's, it, they're not millions of base pairs. They're, they're anywhere from, you know, 10 to a couple of thousand. So there's, there's gotta be a joke <clears throat> in here about a large pair of genes. Let's see. It's gotta be a joke. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> These genes. Oh, I, I, you know what? There is one. Uh, the uh, what did the uh, scarecrow say? Uh, this job ain't easy, but hey, it's in my genes. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he had hay in his genes. <laughs> That's how he knew what he was supposed to You've do. You've got kids, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where that comes from. Yeah, and then after that, I'm like, but also the genetic code, Lena. <laughs> billion base pairs. Can you imagine? Uh, So uh, yeah, so our genetics do, uh, our genetics do some of this. And then I think one of the ones that really does differentiate people, uh, everyone has a a, a unique sense of humor. I mean, I feel like two people become friends based on a shared sense of humor more than most things. I mean, it's it's a real, and I I don't know if it's because it's such a nuanced part of our personality of who we are, but, but the sense of humor thing, you can, you can forgive a lot of specific differences like punctuality differences and differences in what kind of sh- shows you like. And so, but, but it's hard to like somebody who just never laughs. Uh, they probably laugh sometimes. It's just not with you. Well, and, and also it's very cultural. I mean, when I used to go across seas and preach and I'd try out jokes that were really a hit in the Western culture. <laughs> oh, it was man. like, is this thing on? <laughs> you know, so great. is this an audience or an oil painting? You know? <laughs> it's yeah. like deadpan. Yeah. So it's so cultural. Humor is so cultural. That is true. That's true. I remember the first time I watched British, and I'm doing air quotes now, comedy. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because like every, every, the show stopped, and then they turned to the camera and was like, nothing so dangerous as a genius with money. <laughs> And then it was just like silent. And I was like, I can't, was that a, was that a, was that a show outro? I can't, what happened? So uh, I think it's because the British naturally, they're very smart. So I think they operate on a higher plane they, of humor. They, they must. Uh, you can't even tell that they're jokes because they're just flying over your head. And that's one of their jokes. Uh, so today we will be talking about identity, uh, but specifically legal identity. How do you get uh, an ID that says, I am this person, uh, because you need that for a lot of things. You need that to, to vote and to drive a car and have a house. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to somebody who's dedicated to helping that problem. Welcome back to The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter, and uh, we're the hosts of this show that's about helping you to help others. And what we like to do is have people on who are uh, like the embodiment of, of helping those who, who need it, because uh, we all need a little bit of help, but, but uh, some of us uh, need more help at times than others and uh, kind of need a, a, a hand up, you know, to kind of get to where they need to go. Uh, and Michael Dippy is one of those people. Yeah. Uh, uh, he addresses a need that his your, your thing's interesting because because it's something people don't know about. I mean, the need to have legal ID and the difficulty in acquiring that as a U.S. citizen. Uh, pe- people would automatically jump to you know that it's that it's these people can't be U.S. citizens if it's that hard to get an ID. Uh, but that's not true. Uh, and Pop, you've worked with him 
in the past, right, with the Commission on Homelessness? I have, and he he, he is, and I'll say this just to embarrass him because he, he embarrasses <laughs> easily. Uh, but this guy is a major leader in our community, as in was Central Floridian of the Year a few years ago. Wow, that's um, cool. Yeah, and, he, and he's had several awards, and I won't, I won't get into all those because they're, they're not the point of tonight's program. But the, the thing that Michael does as the executive director of iDignity is he gives um, kind of the starter kit people need to actually get um, the benefits that uh, are, are necessary to becoming independent. And so in my work at, at the Commission on Homelessness, um, we had a number of people who were on the streets, most at risk of dying on the streets. Um, and we identified those folks. There were, uh, in, the first, in the first 100, 96, was it, Michael? 94? 94. 94 of those folks um, um, needed, to be, needed to be helped in getting a public identification papers so that they could actually get the benefits they needed to survive um, and then go on to uh, the kind of life that they could they could become independent. So anyhow, all of that to say, Michael um, uh, started off as an architect, huh. and then and then had this <laughs> kind of come to Jesus moment where he goes, I, but I want to I've got this ju- this justice thing in me hmm. that really wants to treat people with fairness and dignity, hence the name, um, and so. Michael, welcome. Thanks for being with us tonight. Yeah, honored to be here. Oh, my goodness. And so, but tell us just like how this came to be. Tell us how you made the transition. Um, you were an architect, uh, Go Gators, yeah, uh, Go University, Gators. Of, University of Florida. That's another, that's another award he won is the Great Gator. Is there a Great Gator Award? Gator Great. Gator Great. Yeah, there you go. The Great Gator. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like an award. Yeah, that's a nice one. <laughs> We're being the fastest that's, swimmer in the bayou. That's, that's oh, a, we got the Great Gator. <laughs> that's actually a costume. You the Great the Gator. Great Gator Award. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I messed that up. Okay, so anyhow, tell, tell us how... How you went from being an architect to founding along with, what, what was it, five churches downtown? Yep, 20, five downtown churches. Yep. Yeah, five downtown churches, this uh, very much needed service. Yeah, and I think a, a show about people helping people, um, it's, it's appropriate for me to give props out to all those that helped me. Hmm. Um, there was 20 of us that founded this organization. It wasn't just me. I was just one of 20. Um and then I look at all the people that have helped us along the lines. I mean, thousands of people donating their hard-earned money to this organization um, to help people that will never look them in the eye and say thank you. Mm. Um, you look at the help we got from all levels of government. I mean, I'm talking federal, state, county, and city. <clears throat> help from almost all the major businesses um, in Orlando and Central Florida. Um, help from a wonderful board and amazing staff. Um, so it's it's many it's not just me. I'm just sitting here in this chair. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're, and he's a very humble guy, obviously. <laughs> uh, but so, so how did it hit you that, you know, specifically you needed to make this transition from what you were doing um, to be on the side of those who were vulnerable and not being treated um, with the same kind of service that others had? And how did that journey happen? Yeah, I was I was born and raised um, 
born here in Orlando, um, raised in Methodist Church downtown. Um, I think God was wise that he knew, uh, kind of like how do you boil a frog? You stick mm-hmm. it in some lukewarm water and you just turn up the heat a little bit, a little bit. Because when I first heard about social service, I thought, wow, that's cool. I thought it was like social and partying. Yay. Yeah. Um, and then when I learned about what it was, I was like, well, that's not for me. Um, I, good people do that. I, you know, um, and so it wasn't something I jumped in. Um, I needed to kind of walk in slowly or else I would have run. Um, a pivotal time for me. I've always had a lot of empathy for the poor when I see them in Orlando. It just doesn't seem right. And I always got kind of curious. Why are you in this situation? Because most of my friends aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pivotal moment for me was um, walking downtown Orlando with a bunch of my friends going to listen to a band at a local bar. And as we passed by an individual, homeless individual, literally on the on the curb with a, a cup shaking it, uh, commented to us, uh, hey, buddies, can you, can you spare some change? Happens all the time. Um, as we were walking by, one of my friends turned back and yelled at the guy, um, get an explicit job, mm-hmm. uh, you bum. Mm. And it broke my heart. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I, would, I didn't give him any money, if I want to be honest, but I, I didn't denigrate him. Mm. Um, and so I stopped. And I went back to the guy, told my friends to go on. I'd meet him a little bit um, and apologize for my friend's behavior. Because I just, you could see it just broke mm. the guy's heart. Uh, it's hard enough to ask for help and then get shot down like that. Um, and I talked to him for a long time. It was one of the first real deep interactions I had with someone that was homeless. Um, and oddly, he never asked me for anything. Mm. It was just the dignity of respecting him as a fellow human being seemed to be of more worth than anything else that I could give him. Uh, that resonated with me. Um, it kind of changed my mind a little bit. Uh, heard the band. Um, thankfully, woke up early enough the next morning to go to church. And we had a visiting pastor. Um, and he challenged every member in our congregation. This was unique to me as well. Um, challenged every member of the congregation to find some unmet need, some social injustice that really makes you angry. Not something you love, but something that makes you angry. Huh. Mm. And then dedicate your life to solving it. Mm. And that was it. Wow. And then right there, it just smacked me in the head that it's how my friend and my, our society, um, my friend who I loved, treated someone that was in a very bad state. Mm. I knew he, he, uh, he was a local business owner, and he had a lot of panhandlers, and it was causing his business harm. Um, and so he was fed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand where it came from, but I just realized right then that that's what makes me angry is how our society treats the marginalized, the poor, the homeless. Mm. It just doesn't seem right. There there has to be more that you can do. I didn't know what that was, but I did start volunteering for a lot of homeless um, mm. service agencies and got around the network a little bit. Um, as you were... As you started getting, you know, involved in that, um, it 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 led, you know, uh, to this idea of you know people needing an ID to to do stuff. Uh, I mean, for instance, with the, with the helpful advice that your friend gave, which I'm sure was just, <laughs> just advice, uh, just saying, hey, you know, I have an idea, um, and delivered it. Uh, maybe a little off key, but um, it's not even an option uh, to, you know, there's, there's so many things that require an ID. What was it that, I mean, was there some moment where you're like, Hey, there's, this is a really key part of this that, that no one's really doing anything about. Yeah. Um, the pivotal point for me was once again at my church. Um, I made a point of making sure that the homeless felt welcome to come and worship at my church. 
um, and getting talking to the homeless when they come, and you want them to come in and worship with you. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking to them, you're going to hear needs. Mm-hmm. And when I heard the needs, I would start telling them where to go to get those needs met. I came across an individual that um, said he had someone that's offered him a job, but he can't hire him because he doesn't have an ID. And I just said, well, how can you not have an ID? I never heard about anyone that couldn't get an ID, but let me find out what social service does that. I'll meet you back here the next Sunday. Uh, Scoured the community, could not find anyone that really focused on that, went to the DMV and they thought, you know, it's hard enough to get your own ID, but this is some homeless stranger you're trying. No, you can't help that guy. Uh, so I went back the next Sunday to try to find him, never saw that individual again. But about two Sundays later, uh, I saw the most miserable individual I've ever seen in Orlando. Uh, he was sitting on the curb of the church, looking down, filthy dirty. Um, I almost gagged when I approached him. He smelled so bad. And I sat next to him and introduced myself and asked him how I could help, which seemed kind of ironic because he was just so, so bad off. And he wouldn't even lift his head. He was just staring at the ground, just broken. Um, and eventually, he reached in his pocket and he handed me a wad of paper, which I thought was kind of odd. But he put it in my hand and I opened it up, and it was a it was a disability check um, from the Social Security Administration for eight hundred eighty dollars. And I looked down at the check and I looked over at him, and at the time, I saw that he had a knot in his blue jeans where his leg used to be. The guy was filthy, and the blue jeans were just oozing where his wound was, and it broke my heart um, that this guy could not cash this disability check because he did not have an ID. And here was a guy sleeping in the bushes of downtown Orlando with a check more than my rent for a month Mm -hmm. with a missing leg, and now I knew that there was no one to help him. Yeah. And so, that's kind of where you have to take a stand. So yeah, to speak. yeah, because I mean, there's there's such a thing as is as having having money and even even mechanisms in place to help, but it doesn't it doesn't make a difference if you can't participate in stuff like having a bank account to do that type of thing. Um, we there's a lot of details to this, and I want to go over those uh, right when we get back from this break right now. Welcome back, smartest audience in talk radio. <laughs> this is The Bright Side, and uh, we are talking uh, about how how to uh, handle the problem of, of people getting IDs. Uh, and uh, it's something that, uh, it's it's the first step is identifying that there is a problem. Uh, and and I think a lot of people don't know that, that there's a there's a problem getting IDs in the first place. So and we're talking, and we're talking, this is about citizens, the people who are already citizens of the United States. This is not about illegal aliens or anything like that. Um, um, these are people who rightly should have IDs mm-hmm. and need them in order to live um, any kind of normal life. Yeah. And so today with us, uh, we have someone who knows more about this than maybe anyone, uh, Michael Dippy. He's the executive director of iDignity, which is uh, focused entirely on uh, helping people manage this problem. Um so first question, we were talking about the details of like the difficulty of, of getting an ID and, and how you can't, you know, cash a check that's been given to you by the government if you don't have basic identif- identifying papers. Is the solution to just make it much, much easier to get ID, to get an identity? Like, is, is that way, the way that you do it, lowering the bar for it? Yeah, that can lead to even greater problems. Um, the, the complexity of identification, it must be hard. 
if it's not hard, then there's identity theft, um, identity fraud, and then I can get other people's stuff and they can oh, get my stuff. So my idea is bad. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, good, good to know. And uh, in, in a lot of, in a lot of areas it actually needs to be strengthened. And, th and that's one thing the federal government did after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And that's why we have what's called the Real ID Act. And that greatly increased the threshold of proof that you must have to obtain your driver's license or your Florida or your state ID card. Florida was the first big state to adopt that Real ID Act. Um, and basically when the state adopts it, they, they erase the identification documents of the DMV of all constituents in that state, and they must mm. reprove who they are. Wow. And how you do that is with a birth certificate, social security card, two proofs of where you live, mm. um, which isn't a real big barrier for most of us. Um, now, if you've had a name change through marriage or adoption, you got to have those legal documents as well. And if any of those names don't match, then you got a real problem. You got legal problems at that time, or if those documents got burned in a fire or a flood or are never even created, um, people born to midwives um, and things like that. Mm. Uh, that's that's where it can get really complex. Mm. Um, we have a lot of birth certificates that we get that will say baby boy or baby girl. Mm -hmm. And that's your legal name at that point, even though you've used a different name your entire life or your birth certificate has a different name than you've had on your school records, your medical records, your social security card, your driver's license. Now you have a big problem. Let me, and, let me just ask you, let me just remember where you were here <laughs> and where you were going. But <clears throat> I'm so curious, <clears throat> excuse me, about how your staff can go back into doing a record search to come up with, with proof of these documents if the standard is that high. Right. Um, I know so many people who have no idea where the birth certificate is, no idea uh, about, um, you know, the changes and, 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 and what they um, – and so how does your staff do that? Yeah, it's not just staff. It's volunteers. We have more volunteers working than we have every, wow. every year, hours combined of our staff. Um, a lot of it goes to credit of Jackie Dowd. She's our lead attorney, um, and she's dedicated her life to this. If you want to know someone that knows more about identification than me, that would be her. <laughs> um, and you toss in mental illness onto mm -hmm. that mix as well, where you don't, you have no idea where you were born. Mm -hmm. um, and it can get into some very, very heavy investigation that can take years to unravel these cases. Mm -hmm. um, we've had one, and it wasn't that long ago, where a guy really had no idea, but he remembered his church. He just wasn't quite sure where it was, but mm -hmm. he thought he knew the city. Mm -hmm. And so we got on Google Maps, and then we started walking down the streets. And he'd go, oh yeah, it's right around that corner. And you go around that corner. Yeah, it's that red brick church. That's the church. That's where I was baptized. Huh. All of a sudden, you got baptismal records. Oh, With yeah. baptismal records, that can lead to census records. With census records, you can find out who the parents are. Now, a lot of this is going to take an attorney to get these kind of documents. Um, it's it's an amazing case of CSI. It really wow. is. Um, wow. And and it's important. Uh, we, we have to have these thresholds of proof. Um, and, and really, the primary mission of iDignity is to pre protect the integrity of identity. Mm. The, the secondary mission is to help U.S. citizens and naturalized citizens. We don't want to forget about them. Yeah. And even individuals that have a valid visa and a valid green card, they're here in this country legally. Mm -hmm. That document gets lost or stolen or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, we'll help them reobtain those documents. Mm -hmm. mm. So uh, is, it, is it just uh, you're kind of talking about the, the, the scope of, of people that, that need help. Um, I, uh, I recently had to get a new driver's license, uh, and I did not, I didn't have, I, I found the little card that was on my bassinet, uh, when I was born <laughs> that just said, 
this is Joel and he's, he's a handsome little boy. Uh, and, but, uh, I didn't say that. I, I wrote that on actually <laughs> two weeks ago, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, but I could not find it. I actually had to go, I had to get it, you know, mailed to me and all that stuff. Uh, what I wouldn't have given for some help in navigating that. Cause it took, it took hours to figure out how to do right. all that stuff. Do you do stuff, uh, for, for people just across the spectrum, like anyone that needs help with that stuff? Do you help with that? We do. We, we were designed to help the homeless. We pivoted more now to help the, all the disadvantaged. Um, once again, those with mental illness, physical disability, um, 99% of our clients are suffering from significant poverty. And, and primary mm-hmm. reason for that is you can't work. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest barriers of identification mm-hmm. as a U.S. citizen. You will never work another day in your life legally until you get this resolved. And, mm. and more than half our clients have been without identification for over a year. Wow. And you can imagine the financial impact of that. Um, but we have assisted some of the more wealthy individuals that have means and ways. They're, they're donors to iDignity and, and their niece has a problem or their uh-huh. mom has a problem in the nursing home. Uh-huh. Can't get her medication because they can't get the identification. Um, and so, yeah, we have a means to assist anybody, um, but we're we're focused on the least of these. Well, that leads, that leads to my next question, which was, uh, who, who pays for this? How does it, how does it get, how does it get funded? Is it, is it just people that philanthropists that want to, that want to help? Yeah, it's a, it's a hundred percent philanthropy and then, um, some government support as well. Like I said, all, all levels of government, um, have some level of support for us. Gotcha. Um, as you have uh, um, gone gone through the years doing this, I, the research department is my mom. <laughs> uh, she uh, she had different articles pulled over the years, and it was really it was really fun to see because it said you know, fifteen thousand people helped in Florida, and then you know, eighteen thousand helped, and then twenty thousand helped. It's it's kind of been this march of progress that's happened. Are, to do that, is it? Do you do you have to? Are you? Is there an ever increasing need for more volunteers, or is it just this kind of steady pace where? There's, you can expect this many, this much progress each year through this many cases, or, or is how, how does it expand? Yeah, um, there's always need for new volunteers. So we primarily function here in Orlando as a monthly service clinic, um, where it takes about 120 volunteers to serve about 200 clients in one day. Now, about half of those individuals will get their identification documents that, that day. The other half are oh. going to become a, a case. Hmm. Most of those are going to need legal representation, and those can take for months, and they can take for years. Um, our attorney, Jackie, and her team probably have about a thousand open cases at any one time that they're wow. managing. Um, we have served over 20,000 unique people here in Orlando, um, but even more beautiful than that. Uh, and it goes once again, back to, to my, my faith is I, I believe this organization has been blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pivot of the heart that I saw from the government agencies initially being rightly scared of this, yeah. um, cause it's, you're all of a sudden trying to help people that are really difficult to help. And then, mm-hmm. and there's some concern there, but to see all these government agencies, the DMV, the SSA, the tax collector, the health departments across the nation, turn their hearts and go, yeah, we're going to work with you to mm-hmm. solve this issue for these people um, is inspiring. So when you're seeing yourself blessed, you also got to go, I have to share this blessing. And when we got calls from around the nation going, how are you doing this? Mm-hmm. We have this same problem. Mm-hmm. Our board took it upon themselves to now go, we're not just doing this in Orlando. We're going to look at scale and replication. And, and we have four different affiliate locations. So we're also in Sanford, Deland, Daytona Beach, and also Kissimmee. Uh, and that's that's where I see the the future of iDignity is, is taking this beautiful model that's been developed by, once again, I believe, the grace of God, and sharing it with other communities that have this same need. 
And a lot of these communities don't even know it. We didn't know we had this problem in Orlando. That's why it took so long to get traction because they're a ghost. Yeah. These people that can't prove who they are, they're just, they, they're U.S. citizens, but they have no impact. Hmm. How, do, how is it that <clears throat> the, these populations are more likely to not have their um, proper documentation they once had? Um, it, does it go along with the, kind of the lifestyle they're in or the circumstances yeah. they find themselves in? I think you're more vulnerable living on the streets, certainly. You're going to get robbed and mugged more often. Um, I know when, when I used to go on vacations, that's when I lose stuff. I don't yeah. have the normal place to put it. Um, but if you're living on the streets or you're living in unstable housing, you're going to lose these documents. And some of them just simply expire. The ID cards and the driver, they expire. Yeah. Hmm. And now you're stuck. Yeah. Um, who, who's going to carry around a, in their backpack their, their birth certificate? Yeah. Um, it just doesn't happen. And then the records kept for the marginalized were not nearly as good in some communities as they were for others. Hmm. Um, and once again, you're born to a midwife. Uh, they tend to be terrible spellers and yeah. really bad handwriting. Yeah. And so those documents tend to have errors on them um, and broken families as well. Hmm. tends to cause problems um, in your identification trail. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is how, is how we've talked about this in the show before, uh, the number one predictor of, of being in poverty or being successful is your zip code that mm-hmm. you're born into. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, what you're saying just sounds like the same, it speaks to that same thing of it's, there's a lot of stuff early on that really does kind of lead towards this, uh, down this path where people need your help. Uh, we have to go to break, but when we come back, um, there's, there's a couple of stories that I want uh, people to hear of stuff that you've done. Welcome back to The Bright Side. This is uh, the final segment. Don't they go by quick. Yeah. <laughs> In a blink. Don't they go by in a blink? <laughs> 65 years. That's, uh, that's my Anthony Hopkins. Today we're talking about uh, IDs and, uh, and, and, and something that, uh, that people don't really think about uh, is that you can't do much without an ID. And there's a lot of people who have a very hard time getting an ID. Um, and it's not just, a, well, I need, to go, I need to get another copy of my birth certificate. It's like they don't, uh, they don't even know where they were born. or I mean, people have tough situations. And they're, they're citizens, uh, yeah. but they can't do stuff. What type of stuff, what does it keep you from being able to do? I mean, I, I imagine you can't get a job. Yep. Is, is that right? Can't be um, legally employed. Can't be legally employed. And then I uh, can't get into bars. Are those the only two? <laughs> are there, are there other right. things? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the primary one is employment. Um, right behind that is education. You might be able to get through K through 12 if you know about the McKinney-Vento Act. Most don't. You will not go to college. You will not go to trade school. Um, you're going to have a real hard time with housing. Certainly can't rent an apartment or buy a house. Um, can't get into most hotel rooms or into most shelters. Um Access to proper health care. Thank God we still have the emergency rooms, but that's not proper health care. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. need access to a primary care doctor. You need access to insurance. Um, entering to a financial institution to get your own money out of your bank or to get that check deposit or cash. Um, there's just numerous opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's crazy ones like you can't recycle cans in Orange County. You can't access the dump. We found a client that came to Idignity three months ago. Uh, she came to get her ID so she could claim her dead husband from the morgue. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, but you understand why yeah. you would need ID to yeah. claim a body. You never think about that. Um, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a problem that doesn't resonate until it's your problem. Mm-hmm. You know, something occurs to me also, Michael, as we're talking about this. It's not only frustrating um, on, a, on a practical level. It's, it's also frustrating on a personal level. Uh, because not having 
any kind of recognition that you're a legitimate person, uh, that you have rights, that you have uh, an identity that is publicly um, um, confirmed or affirmed, um, I, I imagine leads to a terrible sense of, of isolation, discouragement, uh, maybe even depression. Certainly. Because you start to feel insignificant. And the problem is you wake up every day knowing that this is your reality and it will never change for the rest of your life. None, none of our clients have not tried to get their own identification crisis solved on their own. And they just wake up for years um, and they think it will never end. And so they find this oasis called iDignity. Um, I think for the listeners out there, the, to, to get a better understanding of just a typical catch-22, and once again, these systems have to be in place, um, but to become real ID compliant, to renew your driver's license and ID, it does require that birth certificate. But to obtain your birth certificate, you need a valid driver's license or ID. Um, and so now you're stuck between two different government mm -hmm. agencies that are both mm -hmm. requiring another government agency's identification document. Mm -hmm. And now what you actually need is an advocate because yeah. um, you're the one person that can't help yourself out of the situation because you're the one person that has the identity crisis. And it really helps that that advocate is an attorney and knows what they're doing. And, and that's where iDignity steps in yeah. at no cost to our clients. You told me a story one time about a guy who was on the streets who wanted his, um, to want to get an identity because he didn't want to die anonymously yeah. on the street. Could you tell that story? Yeah, Tony Bill Billingsley. Uh, this is about uh, a year into iDignity. And uh, I thought by then, you know, we've served thousands of clients. Um, thought I'd heard all the stories by now. And I'd still ask, hey, why do you, why do you need this? And uh, it really threw me back. Um, he just told me he needs, he needs to get his ID because he fears dying on the streets of Orlando as a John Doe. And it just struck mm -hmm. me as just how foundational that is, but also how it's a reality none of us even think about. Mm -hmm. And that's what's troubling him. That's yeah. why he woke up first thing in the morning, got in line and stood in line for eight hours to get, get his ID. Wow. Um, and we, we actually captured our very first video there and, and he was in the video and he's just such a happy, happy <laughs> man dealing with this kind of trauma, but he's still mm -hmm. very, very thankful. Mm -hmm. And he's really the highlight of the video. And, um, and about a month later, I tried to tried to contact him and hunt him down to just tell him thank you because um, mm. it just resonated with so many people to find that he he actually had died on the streets wow. in Florida. Um, his body was thankfully identified with his ID that he got at iDignity and his body was flown um, to Chicago so he could be buried with the rest of his mm. family. Mm. Um, it's just, it, it plays such a significant role in so many yeah. ways we don't know. You know, we only have a couple of minutes left, but, uh, but I want to alert the audience to something that's very moving uh, and that is something that you all instituted, and that is a memorial service every December for those who die on our streets, on the streets of Orlando. Mm. And I can remember when I first started attending those, uh, there were a number of people we didn't know who they were. Um, and so we lot, lit candles for um, the, an anonymous person. I think last year, everyone had a name. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that's actually a national movement. Um, homeless Memorial Service happens around the longest night of the year, um, and it was started here in Orlando by the Homeless Services Network. Mm. Um, My Dignity just took it over when they weren't able to handle it at one time about seven years ago or so. Um, and it did resonate with me, those John Doe's and those Jane Doe's, that this is the only recognition of these people have passed, yeah. and you can't even mention their name. Um that's just sad as a community. Wow. Uh, and so it really does mean a lot to iDignity to play a role in that, in that memorial service and hear every name called out. If somebody's interested and they want to look further into what you're doing, could you give us a website as to how they could contact you and, and get a greater understanding of what's happening? 
Yeah, certainly. Um, www.idignity.org, like the word dignity with an I in front of it. Um, I would like to point out that the homeless memorial service this year is Tuesday, December 18th, um, from 10, starting at 1030 at St. James Catholic Cathedral. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to show, show your respect for these fellow citizens, these fellow neighbors of ours. Well, what you what you're doing is amazing, and and I I so it's so impressive. Uh, anyone that just dedicates their life to this stuff, because you you do have a heart for this, and you have a mission for it, and and so the idea of helping people to get out of this cycle, that catch twenty two, you know, to help break the cycle and and make a difference. Um, I thank you so much for being here, thank you, um, and, and thank you for listening tonight. Uh, you have a way to help too, uh, if you want to go to that website. Uh, And we will be back here tomorrow night to talk about more ways to help people. We'll see you then. 